0: Hi, this is Dr. Linda Mintel. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast of The Dr. Linda Mintel Show. Our website is filled with more encouraging interviews, all accessible at MyFaithRadio.com. Doing life together, out with hope, one another, each step alone everyone, and welcome to the Dr. Linda Mental Show. I'm your host, Dr. Linda Mental, the relationship doctor, and I'm here along with my co-host, the other Dr. Mental, my husband, Norm. And every weekend we're here, we're doing life together, and as always, we're so glad you've joined us.
1: Yes, I'm glad too. No, I am. This is great. I love the weekend, and uh, it's good to be together on this fine weekend. You know, you know... I'm a television producer and a lot of other things once in a while. So, you and I talk about TV shows. One thing we've noticed over the years is how husbands are often portrayed in sitcoms, situational comedies. Mm-hmm. And that portrayal has changed since the 50s and 60s, although well, you and I wouldn't remember those years.
0: <laughs> <laughs> big memories that come through those black and white TV
1: land or whatever, yeah, that, that's right. that, uh, whatever that was. That network we've is. heard about
0: <laughs> Well, in those early decades... Norm, husbands were seen as serious, they were calm, they were wise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you fast forward to today's TV dads and they're often bumbling and inept. And this is really concerning because they often suggest that men are ill-equipped for family life. And there are lots of jokes that are disrespectful to fathers. And then the wives are portrayed as the ones who have to get things done. Enter the nagging wife who eventually gives up and does things herself.
1: (laughs) I guess you're right. So while we may laugh at the comedy, there's really nothing funny about a real-life couple struggling to be competent in coupling or parenthood. And so our focus today is going to be on nagging and how nagging affects intimate relationships. So
0: here are a few examples to put you in the mood, Norm. All right. All right. Why don't you ever take out the trash? When are we going to spend real time together? Are you listening to me? Will you ever put the dishes in the dishwasher? No.
1: Oh, 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 oh! oh. (laughs) I thought you were really asking
0: me. (laughs) Actually, you do that. I don't have to nag you on that one. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty good about that. No, but that does cause bristling when you hear those (laughs) examples. Uh, When you're on the receiving end of nagging, by the way, you feel like you're incompetent or you're being controlled. In fact, doesn't the word nag come from some Scandinavian word like gnaw? It does. You did your homework.
0: Yes. And to gnaw... Doesn't sound pleasant to me. It's an ugly word. (laughs) That's right. And that's because nagging gnaws away at relationships. And it typically leads a person to feeling picked on, incompetent, like you said. Mm -hmm. And it really does undermine the feelings of confidence of a person in the
1: relationship. And Webster, our good old dictionary friend, defines nagging as a verb. To irritate by constant scolding or urging.
0: I'm just wondering, will people remember
1: who Webster is? Webster. Webster. Oh, he was a guy on TV. No,
0: but I mean, we call him we talk about that in the dictionary from our era it was a sitcom i guess <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make a point here would anybody know what the dictionary is I hope they of do Of course. Okay, it's online. It's so on it's Google. Probably, Find that's it. Right. <laughs> and the problem is that nagging isn't effective really and it rarely gets the person what they want. So that's a problem. You're doing something and it's not being effective and certainly it doesn't help with the intimacy of a relationship. Right.
1: So break it down for us please Dr. Linda. How does nagging work? Well, you make a request. The
0: request is usually ignored and then you make it again. But the more you badger the person to do what you want, the more he or she usually withdraws. So, repeated asking doesn't usually get the person to do what you want. It usually ends in more distance between a couple. Mm. Yet many couples are really locked into this pattern.
1: Okay, so let's be fair though. Doesn't everybody nag once in a while?
0: I think that's fair from time to time. Sometimes it happens because we're anxious about something and we want to make sure it gets done. Other times we're being critical of the other person and we feel a need to tell them to comply, maybe a bit more forcefully. But the most dangerous nagging is based on feelings of hostility and contempt. And that type of nagging usually ends in emotional distance between a couple.
1: And that's a cause for divorce, right?
0: It can be a sign of real relationship trouble. In fact, Dr. Markham at the University of Denver's Center for Marital and Family Studies found that when couples start fighting about nagging and not the actual issues that created it, they are in danger of divorce. Hmm. Nagging is on the pathway to divorce. It's part of an overall negative communication pattern.
1: So this is definitely a behavior we want to be aware of and stop If we hope to have a healthy relationship. Hmm. Like most things, though, there are signs to look for to tell you whether or not you're becoming a nag. Let's check out those signs.
0: Okay, so the first one is asking for something repeatedly. Here's what relationship expert Margaret Paul says. This is a quote. Requesting what you want from your partner a couple of times is important, but after that, it's not helpful. She says the third time you ask your partner to do something, it becomes nagging and not a request.
1: So what's the fix for that? Uh, the person nagging must be concerned that something isn't getting, getting done or even attended to. So.
0: So once you've asked and there's no action, say something like, you know, I'm trying to understand what the problem is here. Is there a way to work this out? But make sure your voice and your tone are matter of fact. I think the tone is harder to do than it sounds. Hmm.
1: Probably because the person is upset. Right. (laughs) And tone tone is hard to regulate at that point. And something's not getting done, so the tone probably exaggerates maybe. I don't know. But we do need to remember that nagging just doesn't work.
0: Which is why you need to think of a different approach. And the one we just mentioned tries to get at the why. So looking at why isn't something getting done, getting behind that, trying to understand your partner.
1: Mm -hmm. Which leads to the second sign to tell if you nag. Ask yourself, are you trying to control the other person?
0: You know, what's typically behind this is being fearful that your needs are not going to get met. You and I know someone where this is the case. The constant nagging is really fear-based. She's worried about losing control and what might happen. So she tries to control most things by nagging.
1: And that upsets her partner, mm-hmm. who has learned to put up with it, but he's very frustrated by it, at least it seems to us. There are a lot of sighs, <laughs> eyes rolling, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's
0: a good sign. If yeah. you see the eyes rolling and that's sighs, and you probably can figure out that the person isn't liking what
1: you're doing. All right, sign number 3 that you might be an egg. You begin sentences with you. You never mow the lawn. You never do the dishes. You never help.
0: Oh boy, that tone right there. I'm reacting. Yeah, you go, right?
1: <laughs> trying to I'm trying to get into. You it. are.
0: You are. And the problem with beginning a comment like that is just what it feels like, it assigns blame, which only makes the person feel defensive and not listening. Just when you said that, I was starting to feel that defensiveness (laughs) just by hearing these. No, those were good examples. Those were good examples. (laughs) So, it's better to begin the sentence with, I, I feel, I noticed... There are times you just have to point things out to your partner, but starting with I versus you really does lower the defensiveness.
1: Hmm. Okay, here's a question. What about the person who nags because he or she is worried about a spouse's health? That means it's a good intention, right?
0: Right. And the person nagging often feels really helpless, and they're worried about their partner. Sometimes they're worried about their partner dying or having some serious disease. But still, it's better to say, I don't want to lose you, and I'm scared. Truth is, you can't make another person always do the right thing or the best thing, but you can say how it makes you feel when they don't. And you can focus on the impact of not taking care of themselves. You know, they might get sick or they might not be around. That's an impact you can talk about because that's scary for the person Mm. who's watching all of this.
1: Sure. But what about the times your partner acts out or misbehaves, as we say to the kids? Should you not say something? Uh, Because if you don't, it kind of sounds like you're not caring.
0: Often when nagging happens in those situations, the person feels like somehow the person being nagged is not okay. There's something wrong with them, and the nagging is pointing that out. And then the person being nagged thinks, well, if I have to act a certain way to be loved, that's a real turnoff. But think about it. This is a very self-centered kind of conversation or dialogue you're having with the other person or yourself. One person is trying to help and the other is resisting because they don't want to hear it. Now, I'm not saying nagging is the way to handle this, but there is a problem there in the relationship.
1: Mm, And that should be addressed. And bristling at getting feedback, well, that just doesn't allow for humility. I mean, there's nothing in there about it. We have moved so far away from holding each other accountable in our culture. For our actions, it seems like everybody these days is a victim. It's Someone's oppressed. Do you think that has influenced couples as well?
0: I really do. Uh, When we have an intimate relationship, we should be able to tell each other when we are acting poorly or badly. But instead, people get resentful, and I just don't see the humility that you mentioned. We are not perfect people living in relationships, and it's very easy to become self-centered and want things our way. So while pointing out your partner's misbehavior can be a sign of nagging, maybe we should ask if our behavior is Christ-like or needs to change. And if someone who cares about us points this out, is this really nagging or is this real concern for you?
1: Hmm. Do you think it's harder to hear a complaint or a criticism in a relationship when it happens often? Is that more of the issue?
0: You know, you bring up a really good point because when there is more negative than positive, the relationship begins to turn negative. Marital researcher John Gottman, who we've mentioned a lot in this show, found that you need five positives for every one negative.
1: Ah, yes, the golden five-to-one rule. Yes,
0: and in a really strong and healthy relationship norm, Gottman found that those couples have a 20-to-one ratio, so even higher. So the point is there has to be positive communication going along in a relationship so that the complaints can actually be heard without the person
1: becoming very defensive. So, can nagging be an actual way to push someone out of your relationship? Things aren't going well, and this is how I'm going to disconnect emotionally.
0: Well, nagging's a passion killer. You don't feel warm and cozy with someone who's at you all the time. So, nagging can make you feel like a child, not an intimate partner. And nagging can be the result of losing respect for a person. You don't trust them, you begin to pull away.
1: So, let's sum this up before we take a short break. Know that nagging doesn't help a couple despite how easy it is to do. And we have to have ways to make complaints that don't cause defensiveness.
0: And think about this. Nagging often comes up because we set arbitrary expectations, and we think the person has to do what we want them to do, or we can't be okay. So we need to ask, what do we expect? Is it reasonable? Does it have to be our way? And is there something underneath the nagging that we're worried about? Lost love, lost respect, trust. But the bottom line is that nagging isn't the answer and will ultimately ruin your relationship.
1: Hmm. All right. Well, after a short break, we're going to come back to get an answer to this question. How do we stop the pattern of nagging? Stay with us. A whole lot more coming up on the Dr. Linda Mental Show.
0: From the moment we're born, we're in relationship. At first, we depend on others to take care of us, to meet all of our needs. Then as we grow older, we make friends, we meet school teachers, later a boss at work and a spouse at home. Every relationship is important. Every relationship requires cultivation and nurturing. And at some point or another, every relationship has its challenges and they revolve around conflict. Did you know that you can grow through conflict and become such a healthier you than you ever expected? Well, I want to help you look at conflict in new ways, to approach conflict in ways that work. My book, We Need to Talk can help you become a better problem solver, learn to negotiate differences, and strengthen all relationships even when conflict seems destructive. Well, let's face it, conflict is an unavoidable part of our everyday life, but conflict doesn't have to overwhelm you or destroy your relationships.
1: Find We Need to Talk wherever you buy books online. Welcome back to the Dr. Linda Mental Show, and just a reminder that you can follow Dr. Linda on her social media platforms, Twitter and Instagram, at Dr. Linda Mintel, and Facebook, Dr. Linda Mintel, author and speaker. You can also listen to our podcast on MyFaithRadio.com or on your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes. Just search Dr. Linda Mental M-I-N-T-L-E, podcast, or go to MyFaithRadio.com. Now, if you've just joined us, we're talking about nagging and how it impacts a relationship in negative ways. We want now to move on to how to stop nagging. We have to change the pattern, Linda.
0: Right, because nagging is about forcing another person to do things your way when you really think about it. One way to stop nagging is to make sure, and we talked about this just before the break, Norm, to make your expectations clear. Often we have an idea in our head about how something should be done. But we don't really communicate that well. And then when it doesn't happen, we resort to
1: nagging. Hmm, That one's true. Yes, indeed. Clear expectations can solve a whole lot of problems. People can't read minds. I'm not good at it. Me neither. I try, but um, (laughs) what about giving your partner the benefit of the doubt when something doesn't get done, especially when you want it to?
0: I like that thinking because if you're in a decent relationship, you should really think. Is your partner really trying to hurt your feelings by not doing something? Or maybe he just forgot, or maybe she got busy with other things. So when you jump to conclusions and you think it's insensitivity right away, right? That's what a lot of times happens. Mm-hmm. You think, oh, they're just mm-hmm. being insensitive to me. You need to put yourself in the other person's shoes just for a moment and think about what might be happening in their life that could derail a task So basically, just don't jump to
1: conclusions. Right. We know what that's said about assumptions. (laughs) This one is so important, though, because I know that when I forget to do something, it's usually because of busyness and not because it's a priority of mine. And it's certainly not out of some negative motive.
0: And when we get upset about something not being done, it's often because we get triggered in the relationship from something that happened in our past. Then we project those negative feelings onto the person when actually their intent was not what you thought. So, if you're unsure about a motivation, just ask. Don't assume, as Norm said. Then believe the person if they tell you. So, if they say, that's not what I was thinking, that's not what was going on, you need to believe that. Mm -hmm. The task just wasn't on their radar, maybe. So, having a conversation about intent, I think, is important.
1: That's good. And related to that, and based on what you're saying, is also just don't assume. That's so dangerous that your partner mm-hmm. knows exactly what you want.
0: I know. And I know I do that even after all these years. I think you should know me by now. <laughs> but a lot of times, you're, it's just what we said. You can't read my mind. Right. And I have very different, um, maybe, expectation in my head that you're not even on the radar with. So don't assume that your spouse, or even your children in that matter, know what they should be doing, especially if you've never specifically told them. And this is, you know, just the basics of clear expectations. You may even want to make a list of chores or duties so that everyone can look at it and everybody can be really clear about what needs to be done.
1: All right. New resolution, being clear about expectations, everybody. Not assuming that others know exactly what you want. Those are game changers. And sometimes there are deeper issues involved. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and often those issues are related to losing control over other people. It's hard to accept for some people. So if you can figure out what is behind the nagging and address whatever that is, the nagging will probably stop. For example, you know, are you afraid you won't get what you want from your partner? Are you overloaded with too much to do? Are you overly obsessive about things getting done immediately? Are you expecting your partner to do things and be just like you and think like you? What is really motivating your need to keep badgering that person?
1: Well, that's good. But, you know, that takes self-reflection, and not everybody is good at that.
0: I agree. But our relationships are really worth some time and effort, and a little self-reflection about what is pushing me to do a negative thing can be very helpful.
1: Okay, what about this as an alternative? If you're so upset about something not getting done, why not just do it yourself?
0: You know, at times, I think that can be a solution. Uh, Is it worth the upset? Probably could ask yourself that. Could you easily do it? If you did, would it really bother you to do it yourself? Now, over time, if you use that strategy over and over, you might become resentful, and you might feel like the other person isn't pulling their weight. So you'd have to kind of track that. But from time to time, you may decide, you know, you don't want World War III over overtaking out the trash <laughs> and just do it.
1: Right, exactly. Okay, I need to go back and get a little more clarity on something we talked about earlier. If you find yourself getting really upset over something that needs to be done... Is just reminding the person the same as nagging?
0: I love this question because during the break, our technical producer, Katie, was worried that when she was giving us time cues, she might have been nagging. Well. But this is exactly (laughs) what it is. It was a reminder that you and I need, right? So there's a big difference between those two things. That's because a lot of it has to do with your tone of voice, right? Right. If you're giving somebody a reminder, mm-hmm. then, you know, you have to let somebody know sometimes that there's something that needs to be done. It's not the same as that. In fact, some couples, now we've never done this, but this works for some people in that idea of just making a reminder, but not a nag. They might just say one word, like they might say, milk. <laughs> Do you know what? That's a trigger. I I think think you need to say get milk.
1: Get milk, right. (laughs) So
0: you know what you mean by that. Now, for dinner. Or grocery store. Now, some people just
1: say the words and then they know what's going on. So they think that that one word phrase doesn't sound like nagging. Okay, but I'm going to remind us of tone. So how you say it is obviously key. Uh, You and I often talk about tone of voice. We
0: do. And, And a lot of times we remind each other to listen to our tone and check our body language. And if our tone is harsh and our body is tense, we're probably about to nag the other person. Mm-hmm. So instead of be beginning a request with, um, you know, a really kind of harsh, bad tone, I would say start it soft. Change the tone and make sure that you're starting to do it on a soft basis at the beginning. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that will certainly take down the defensiveness on the other person's part. Yes. The next one has to do, again, with expectations, but I think it's worth mentioning. Nagging can be, I think, a consequence of living with someone who is very different than you are.
0: You know, we need to consider our differences. If you're a type A person living with a type B, your expectations for getting things done can be very, very different. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm. Because type
0: A wants it done now. right? And type B is like, okay, well, I'll get to it. Just, you know, so that conflict right there could be an issue. And
1: that's cultural in some places, too.
0: Yeah, that's true. So do the two of you see the need for speed? You know, if you don't and one doesn't, then you really need to think about talking about that conversation. It's better in the long run to try to accommodate each other and the differences that you have and stop expecting the other person to always do what you want them to do. You may want something done now. But the other person, if they don't feel the urgency, they should probably tell you that. And maybe you should have a conversation. But that doesn't make them a bad person just because they do it differently than you do.
1: Mm -hmm. So in our definition of nagging, we said that it's all about repeating requests. And here's the big question that I said before the break. How do we stop it?
0: Yeah. Instead of repeating a request, ask questions to better understand what is blocking it from getting done. This takes more time. We talked about that. It takes a little bit more time, but it just doesn't have the same negative effect. Now you're engaging with the person, and you're not being combative with the person.
1: Mm, That's good. Okay, so more help. If you find yourself starting to nag, is there any way to be reminded, any suggestions about what to do in that moment?
0: I think when you start to nag and you can feel it, just stop and take a time out to regroup. Calm yourself down. Think about what you're saying. Can you say it in a different way? If you're feeling really aroused, breathe. Maybe pray. I think prayer would be a good, good moment. Just take a moment and say, God, help me. Help me to stay calm. Help me to be positive in this relationship. And then once you're more relaxed, come back to the conversation and make the request.
1: Okay. And what about this? You don't want to nag, but you're very upset with the person because they're just not getting those things done. How do you handle that feeling of frustration and upset?
0: I think it's all about perspective and looking at the person differently and not getting disappointed with the person.
1: There's a scripture in Matthew that says we will be held accountable for every careless word. Mm,
0: That scripture. How
1: important are (laughs) words? (laughs) That is a that is a
0: tough scripture, I'm just gonna say. But words, you know, make people feel belittled, they can disappoint, they don't feel like they're good enough. They result in a lot of negative feelings when they're negative words. So be careful about that. Just be reminded of that scripture. I don't think social media has helped us in this area. And we are Really, uh, we've really been sort of conditioned now to just let words fly. That's not a good thing.
1: Okay, here's one that I think is important. Maybe it's better just to decline doing something than rather passively not doing it. Maybe
0: just be real careful and tell the person um, that, you know, this is not something I really want to do. It would save a lot of problems rather than maybe being passive aggressive about it.
1: Mm -hmm. All right, let's close with the Bible story. Here's a familiar one from Judges 16, and the verse that I want to look at says, With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it.
0: Wow, that's a verse that's referencing the story of Samson and Delilah. Mm -hmm. When she wanted to get to know the source of Samson's strength, She nagged. And nagged. Yeah.
1: In fact, she badgered him,
0: pushed and pushed and pushed until he was willing to do whatever, whatever, you know, that can just hear him going, whatever, to make it stop. (laughs) And then he told her the secret of his strength. And we know that that didn't end well.
1: Right. No, it didn't. So uh, nagging may finally get a response, but there may be a big cost.
0: Yeah, the Bible's clear. The Lord does not keep a record of our right and wrong, and neither should we. So maybe that's a lesson to learn. So the best spiritual help we can give is to deal with your disappointments. When somebody doesn't do exactly what you want, think about what impact that can have on your relationship. And sometimes we have to practice forgiveness. I know forgiveness isn't an easy thing to do all the time. It is a process for most of us. But talk about what happened and how you felt, and then let it go. Forgiveness keeps the heart soft, it keeps it tender, and it keeps you open to reconciliation. A relationship that is built on honesty, feedback, trust, love, and yes, forgiveness is one that will last. In terms of the nagging, understand what prompts you to nag. This may help you take a different approach. You and your partner can talk about these issues. Also ask, does nagging actually work in our relationship? And you know the answer is no. If you listen to the show, it's probably setting up a negative cycle of communication that will lead to resentment and pulling away from each other. And that's not what we're going to do to strengthen our relationships. Well, that's all the time we have today. Many thanks to our producer and my co-host, Norm Mintel, who makes the show a conversation, and our technical producer, Katie Sims. From all of us here at Faith Radio, hey, we'll talk to you again next weekend. In the meantime, remember, we're doing life together, and it's better when you don't have to do it alone.